0: Support for this podcast comes from Davis Malm. If you're a buyer, seller, investor, or lender, Davis Malm attorneys know each deal has unique needs and requirements, building client relationships one transaction at a time. More at davismalm.com, D-A-V-I-S-M-A-L-M dot
1: WBUR Podcasts, Boston.
2: I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Common. The Iowa caucuses are today the official kickoff to the 2024 presidential election season. So we're bringing you the second part of our collaboration with the Boston Globe on the upcoming New Hampshire primary. Last week, you heard from one undecided New Hampshire voter on the Republican side who is preparing to cast his vote in the state's first in the nation primary happening on January 23rd. Today, we bring you the voices of two additional voters and the factors they're considering in their decisions. Joining us again is Boston Globe politics reporter Emma Platov. Emma, welcome back.
3: Good to be here.
2: So the Iowa caucuses are today. Can you briefly tell us about those and what the results might mean for New Hampshire and other primaries?
3: This is the day we've all been waiting for. For months, everyone has been tracking these polls, and and today we hopefully are going to get the first real look at how voters are thinking about who their presidential nominees should be for this year. Iowa matters a lot for New Hampshire, and also it doesn't. You know, the momentum that you get in an early state feeds into the later states. Voters are watching to see who's viable, who's doing well, who's trailing, and they consider factors like that. But it's also important to note that Iowa and New Hampshire have really different GOP electorates. New Hampshire is a much more purple state. Republican voters there are a lot more moderate, less religious. And so we see that worn out in the polls, and we're likely to see that borne out in the results of those two early state contests, that just because you do well in Iowa does not mean that you will necessarily do well in New Hampshire.
2: All right, so let's move on to the first of the voters we're going to hear from today. Who do you have for us?
3: First, we're going to hear from Pamela Coffey. She's 70 years old and retired with three adult children who live all across the world. She grew up in the Texas Panhandle, one of the reddest parts of the country, but a few years ago, she retired to New Hampshire with her husband, and they now live in Peterborough, this small, idyllic town that was the basis for the play Our Town. Mm. Since then, she's been adjusting to life in New
0: England. There are no drive-up, food service, coffee vendors available because that would cut into the quaintness of our New England town. It's very inconvenient. Sometimes you just want to drive up and get a cup of coffee.
3: Pam thinks of herself as a Reagan Republican. She feels like the current party, as led by Donald Trump, has gone too far right. And this year she's looking for someone who's a little bit more moderate, and she said that character matters to her a lot. The race has changed some since we first spoke with Pam in December. Back in that first conversation, which we'll play so you can hear her whole decision-making process, Chris Christie was still in the GOP race for president, and he was one of her top choices Pam
0: told me at that time that she was looking at Chris Christie and Nikki Haley. Haley's foreign policy experience overall I really like. I like that she's been willing to take on Trump a little bit, not as much as I think she needs to. If she's really going to take him down, she's going to have to go after him. Uh, I like what she says about securing our border. For Chris Christie, I like his experience as a governor. I like his willingness to take on Trump. At the first town hall we went to, he talked about how he had supported Trump. He was an advisor to Trump, thinking they could moderate him, kind of hemming him in a little bit. And he said that was a mistake. So that's one of those character things. Realized he was in a mistake, and now he's trying to fix it. I like the fact that they're both governors. Governors have to deliver. Governors have to keep people happy. They have to fix those potholes. That's why I think they make good presidents. They are not ideologues. They're pragmatists. And we need pragmatists to get things done. Where are you on Donald Trump? Have you voted for him in the past? What do you think he represents for the country now? I have never voted for Donald Trump. We don't need middle school kids. We want grown-ups. And right now, I think Joe Biden is better than Donald Trump. And... For somebody that has always voted Republican, that's saying a lot. We're,
3: you know, having this conversation in early December, just under two months until you'll vote in the primary. What are the factors you'll be considering between now and then as you
0: narrow from two to one? A lot's gonna happen on the world stage. I'm not just a local person. In America, it's not just a local country. We are international. And I think we owe it to our friends to help our friends. We're kind of having a catharsis right now (laughs) the last few years, but we'll settle it down and we'll figure it out. It's so interesting to hear you say that. I think a lot of people feel less hopeful
3: than that. And I wonder where your faith in the nation comes from, what makes you
0: such an optimist? One part is... I lived through 1968. We had Martin Luther King assassinated, Bobby Kennedy assassinated. America nearly tore itself apart in 1968. We kind of got over it, and we moved forward. And it's just been my experience that people are good. There are more good people in the world than bad, and I just truly believe that. And I think most people want to be educated when they vote. I am a Christian and have been for I don't know, 55 years. And I've often wondered how the Democrats got so far ahead of the Republicans in the social issues, because those should be Christian issues. And I don't like abortion. Nobody likes abortion. The Republican Party is very pro-birth, but they're not particularly pro-life. They want that baby born, but they don't want to help that little mama with child care or help or education. I think that believers or Christians— need to vote their conscience. They need to look not just at the policies or the politics of a person, but their character. And everybody's conscience may lead them to vote a different way. And I'm okay with that.
2: Now, of course, Chris Christie has dropped out of the race since you talked to Pam. Do you have a sense of how that might be impacting her decision?
3: I had the chance to catch up with Pam last week, actually even before Christie dropped out of the race, and she was noticing the exact same thing that Chris Christie cited when he made the decision to exit, which is that he really wasn't picking up enough momentum in New Hampshire that it looked like he had a real shot at winning the first in the nation primary or even really making a dent in Donald Trump. So Pam told me at this point she's leaning towards Nikki Haley, and I think that is part of a broader trend that we're going to continue to see in the final few days of the primary here where folks who maybe planned on voting for Chris Christie see he's dropped out of the race and they start looking around for an alternative. We know from polling and from dozens of interviews I've done with voters in New Hampshire that for a lot of folks, uh, the alternative to Chris Christie is going to end up being Nikki Haley. And we'll just have to see whether that gets her close enough to Donald Trump.
2: We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. And we're back with more from Emma Platoff of the Boston Globe. Moving on to our second voter of the day, who are we going to hear from now?
3: Our next voter is James Tebow, who's a high school senior. He lives in Franklin, New Hampshire with his family. James describes himself as a nerd. (laughs) And from walking around his room, you can tell he loves two things above all else, Star Trek and politics. All right, I see Ronald Reagan
1: quote on the door. Vice President Pence signed that for me, and then I also have a signed hat from President Trump when he registered for the primary a couple of weeks ago.
3: Oh, wow. So yeah. you were there in person for I that. was,
1: yes. So I was actually planning on going down to the statehouse. James
3: just turned 18, so this will be his first vote, but he knows more about politics than many of the rest of us combined. He attended the prestigious Boys Nation program last year, and he's writing his college essays about federalism. I wanted to know how it was going to feel to cast his very first ballot in a presidential election.
1: It'll be surreal. I mean, we've had experiences because our school is a polling place um, where we get to walk in during our social studies class and, like, see it. But we're always on the sidelines. So I, I'm incredibly excited, and I think it's going to be an incredibly surreal experience.
3: I know you said you're not sure yet who you want to vote for. Who's on the list?
1: Um Really, right now, it's between DeSantis and Vivek. I feel like Haley, I like her domestic policy, but her foreign policy just screams she's itching for war. And that makes me very uncomfortable, especially, you know, as a draft age male. A bit scary. I think DeSantis is very strong. He has a proven track record as governor of Florida. But Vivek, he's a lot more anti-establishment. He's very well-spoken and well-researched.
3: There's one candidate of course you haven't mentioned as being on your short list and that's Donald Trump. Where where are you on him?
1: Um I'll vote for him in the general if that is who the party selects. And I, he's a very nice man. I've met him. He's very kind. But my concern is not in terms of him personally, but in terms of how the voters will react to him. I feel like if he gets to the general, there's a concern that his legal baggage, as fabricated as it may be, might scare off independent voters. And if we lose the independence, we lose the election.
3: What is your earliest memory, either of the New Hampshire presidential primary or of the political process? Do you remember any of that?
1: I do remember in first grade, I got a tour of the state capitol with my first grade class, and I was sitting there with my friend, and I was looking up at these portraits. There's President Franklin Pierce, who was New Hampshire's only president, Abraham Lincoln, and George Washington. So I looked up at them. like they, they were so imposing. They were so like powerful in their posture. And I just said, one day I want to be like them.
3: And do you see yourself ever running for office? No comment. What are the other issues that are most important to you?
1: Um, gun rights. We're a family of gun owners. Abortion's another really big one. At the core of our country is a fundamental right to life. I mean, the Declaration says, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. But um, also, like, the social issues. So, like, what is taught in schools? I think school choice absolutely is part of it. But I think that what is actually in the curricula is equally as important.
3: Are you pretty influential with your family? Do you feel like they listen to you?
1: Yeah, it's computers and politics. I mean, whenever they want a recommendation for a political candidate or for a new phone or something, I'm I'm, I'm the one who's there.
3: James is actually now thinking more about voting for the frontrunner for Donald Trump. I asked him about this last week, and he was telling me that as he continues to see both Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy struggle in New Hampshire, he's increasingly interested in voting for Trump and, you know, feels at this point like Trump has a better shot at winning the general election than what he had previously feared.
2: Yeah, Emma, you know, I'm listening to these voters talk and one thing that's sticking out to me is, you know, it's still very early in the race. The election is not till November. And who knows what's going to happen with Donald Trump? You know, the man to beat right now. As we speak, Trump is facing four criminal cases and multiple civil suits. And the Supreme Court is planning to hear a case to determine if Trump will even appear on Colorado's ballot because of his efforts to overturn the 2020 results. And let's not forget, Maine took him off of the primary ballot as well. So I'm just wondering, what do you say to all of that, Emma?
3: Things are shifting a lot. And in the final few days before the New Hampshire primary, I think we're going to continue to see voters sort of consolidate behind fewer candidates in the race. You know, if we had been having this conversation six months ago, there almost were too many candidates to name and now in New Hampshire, it really feels like it's narrowing down ultimately to Donald Trump and Nikki Haley. There's kind of a groupthink that's part of this, right? If, if you don't think anyone else is going to vote for your candidate, that might make you less likely to vote for them. Yeah. As you hear with James, getting a better sense that maybe Donald Trump could win a general election makes him more interested in voting for Trump in the primary. So it's this interesting feedback loop between the polls that we know are imperfect and the way people make their decisions.
2: Hmm. Well, Emma, thank you so much for joining us again and coming through to the Common to share your work with us. We appreciate it.
3: Always good to be with you.
2: That's Boston Globe politics reporter Emma Platoff. We'll be talking to Emma again on the eve of the New Hampshire primary for the last edition of this series on January 22nd. So check back in to hear how these three undecided GOP voters are planning to cast their ballots. Thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode of The Common, which was produced in collaboration with The Boston Globe. And special thanks to Boston Globe audio producer Jesse Remedios, who contributed to this project. We'll be back with our regular episode tomorrow morning. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and I'll talk to you later.